I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Welcome to Chamber Breakers, presented by Verizon Business and Yahoo Finance. I'm Leanna Brindad, head of Yahoo Finance UK. And I'm Xavier White, CSR and Innovation Marketing Manager at Verizon Business. During this series, Liana and I will be inviting thought leaders to break the echo chambers surrounding key societal issues. This season, we're focused on corporate social responsibility, education, and the workforce at a time of global crisis. We're delighted to welcome Ronan Dunn, Executive Vice President and Group CEO of Verizon Consumer Group. Ronan is also a counsellor for the One Young World charity that brings together young leaders from around the world and empowers them to make lasting connections to create positive change. So take it away, Ronan. Well, first of all, thank you for the invitation. And I want to spend my few minutes to talk about a really important agenda item, and that is the digital divide and how we ensure that this next generation of technology, this 5G, becomes the most inclusive generation of technology ever. At Verizon, we are committed to making sure that access is a priority. And in that regard, we have a number of schemes and programs that we're supporting, both in our US business and across the globe where we operate. We believe fundamentally that we have a responsibility as a corporate citizen. And we've identified a number of the pillars of the UN's development goals that we wish to support, one of which is access to education. And that was the genesis of our program, Verizon Innovative Learning, which we launched in 2012. And the intent of that program is to give access to those who mightn't otherwise, to the best in teaching, not just simply connectivity, but the best digital tools to enhance their educational opportunity. So that program is already in more than 350 schools around the country, and we've invested more than half a billion dollars, reaching uh, as many as 450,000 students. And the intention is to make sure that teachers have what they need, parents have what they need, and students have what they need to participate, recognizing that talent is equally and evenly distributed, but opportunity is not. And so this is one of the programs that we're investing in to try and ensure that we match talent to opportunity and give people the opportunities they need. We're also very focused on the development of STEM skills. We know how important science, technology, engineering, and math are to the harnessing of technology, because we also believe that this next generation of technology is one in which we as a community and society should determine the use of that technology for the better and more inclusive good. And so the more people that we um, support to have access to great, STEM education, the better the opportunities are to bring that technology to the benefit of our community and society. So as an organization who is steeped 
in technology, we believe that the possibilities of technology should be open to everybody. And therefore, we want to support as many people as possible, as customers, as students in the Verizon Innovative Learning Program, to get the opportunity to make the difference that will improve the outcomes for the widest number of people. Thank you. Thank you so much for that and setting the scene. And one of the things that we definitely want to um, immediately kick off with, especially since it's in the DNA of Verizon and all the different parts of the company is 5G. So we are on a cusp of real huge major technological innovations and 5G being one of them. Could you set the scene for someone who may not grasp what 5G really is and how, in a nutshell, this can affect our everyday lives? Sure. So I, I know I would say this, but it's simply not another G. 5G is a transformational opportunity. And there's really two things that I'll focus down on. We talk about 5G as having eight currencies. It has the ability to support more connected devices per square mile, 10 times as many as the last generation. It has the opportunity to be 90% more efficient in the use of energy and uh, battery. But it also has the opportunity to support really, really low latency. If you're a gamer, that's click to bang. If you're a trader, that's the response times when you're dealing in the marketplace. And I want to take those last two examples because harnessed with one of the capabilities that 5G delivers, which is called mobile edge computing, those two capabilities, lower battery uh, <clears throat> consumption and this ability to have really low latency, i.e. fast response times, creates a whole wave of new opportunities. Today, one of the biggest challenges for deploying technology is the cost. Very often, it's the cost of devices. But in a world where we have mobile edge computing, which in essence means taking the smarts out of the individual device sitting them at the edge of the network so that all the computational work can be done in the network, not simply in the device. We, working with partners, have reduced the cost of industrial robots, which currently cost $100,000, down to $15,000 per unit. That's an 85% reduction. Imagine you apply that in an education space where actually smart boards, some of the uh, um, devices that people might want to use, tablets, other things. Imagine if we were able to reduce the cost in the hands of the local education authority by 85%, while at the same time giving the same level of quality of experience to those students. Imagine in sports and entertainment where every single person sitting in the stadium or sitting at home has access to multi-screen capabilities in real time with no latency. You can transform the user experience. So these are the sort of examples that we're already seeing. Now take that one step further. If I don't need to put all of that compute power in the device, and therefore I don't need a big battery to support that compute power, essentially I can dematerialize the end device. So we're no longer constrained to a smartphone or a tablet, but realistically, we can bring transformational uh, digital access in all sorts of form factors that we've never imagined before. That's why when we talk about 5G, we are sincere when we say this is fundamentally transformational. The last thing I would say is 
that ability to deliver high-powered, very capable connectivity at the same time as the world has access to AI and analytics at scale like never before. Bringing those two things together is a transformational opportunity. And as I said earlier, what's really important is we as community and society should define the terms on which we want to harness those technologies in the service of our society rather than the other way around. That will make for real change. It's really, really interesting. And what's coming next is is so exciting. Yes. What might the workforce look like? How could it change business in a sort of more tangible way? Great question, Xavier. Uh, My personal view is that it will change the nature of work, but that's only um, really something that was already shaping and happening, and so it will be an accelerant. So the first thing that undoubtedly will, will happen is that robotic process automation will have an effect by taking away what are relatively mundane, repetitious activities that exist today in manufacturing in a whole series of uh, services. Um, but those jobs are generally ones that are low value add and therefore low paid and not necessarily very, very creative roles. So we have the opportunity to redefine the nature of work in a way that I honestly believe will make for more and more interesting jobs as we create more space for creativity in the workplace rather than deluding ourselves <clears throat> that low grade um low-value-add jobs, which are paid at minimum wage, is actually what um, our future employees want. So changing the nature of work will involve a number of things. First of all, we need to have an influence in the education system to make sure that we're preparing people for the jobs of the future, not simply the jobs of the past. Secondly, the concept of lifelong learning, I think, is something that we should all embrace. And that's the idea that our careers may well have many cycles and that we will do different things at different times, but we will marry that to a continuous learning cycle so that we're always developing new skills as we harness the latest capabilities in technology. I think if we do that, we can create space for a creative renaissance inside the workplace that actually will be for the benefit of humankind, giving better quality jobs and enough of them for people, but also using and harnessing technology in a way that also serves the needs of our community. Yeah, I think when it comes to like 5G and everything that it could do, it does in a way, it it has the opportunity to level the playing field actually across lots of different ways. But as you said, there's so many pieces to the puzzle that needs to be considered for that to happen. And so what's really interesting when you're talking through this and knowing obviously um, for, you know, disclaimers, Yahoo Finance is part of Verizon Media, which is part of Verizon, and very much clued into the scope and scale of Verizon overall and the impact across the world. It sounds like when we think of all the pieces of puzzle to put this together with the technology, do businesses, in order to make sure that there's no digital divide, has to almost become a vertical supply chain for all of it, from down to the education, to being a global citizen, to rolling out the products, to bringing them in the workforce. It sounds like that is a, uh, I suppose, newer concept that's been coming about through technology. What do you think of that? 
So in some respects, I will kind of invert that. And what I would say is the hierarchy and structure of corporate, industrial, and uh, manufacturing in the past, I think, is going to be democratized. We're going to have a genuine level playing field. The barriers to innovation are lower in a 5G world than they have ever been. And so I think the opportunity is actually that 5G will um, introduce a new wave of innovation in which a thousand flowers will bloom because access to high quality uh, technology and connectivity plus the access to high powered compute uh, will, will be so democratized that it will be available to the smallest business as well as to the biggest business. That coupled with the marketplace that already exists, where if you want to source an algorithm to solve a problem with a data set, you can go online and do that today. So I actually see this idea of we're going to break the structure in which old corporate activity happened and create a much more level playing field, which I think will be more geographically diverse. But I also think it'll be more socially uh, diverse because um, one of the things that we know in our society is social mobility hasn't necessarily followed at the pace that any of us would have wanted. And so the opportunity to make sure that the tools for the next generation of economic activity are more evenly and broadly distributed, I actually think can also help social mobility in our community and society, which I think is critical. We've actually both been involved with One Young World. So you've been a counsellor for many years. Last year, I had the privilege of attending as a Young Leadership Alliance scholar. And I met so many amazing people that were my age and you know, young people from all over the world that I, I learned so much from. There were people with stories so emotional that there were moments I was crying. and I just couldn't help it. I was moved. Uh, so I wondered if you could just talk a little bit about One Young World as an organization and why it's so essential for the next generation and for the people that are going to be coming into the workplace to have these kind of organizations. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Thank you for the question and for your participation <clears throat> last year in, in One Young World. Um, for those who are not familiar, it's the largest convening globally of, uh, of young people. And its uh, purpose is not simply to recognize a future generation of leaders, but to acknowledge young people as a current generation of leaders and try to support them in whatever way we can to make the changes they look to see in their own communities and society. And what we're trying to do is to have a double whammy, a, a, a double effect by simply recognizing 
that the traditional model of doing well and then turning your mind to doing good is inconsistent with the values of Generation X and Generation Y, who strongly believe that doing well and doing good are two sides of the same coin and can be done in parallel. So one of the things that One Young World is doing and one of my personal passions is if we can harness two generations focusing on better outcomes for our communities and society at the same time, we will have the most powerful alliance in history to make real meaningful change. When you couple that with access to the most powerful technologies and the most effective tools of communication that have ever been available, I think we create an environment in which we can be more confident and more committed to driving a level of change that uh, not just meets the minimum criteria, but actually exceeds, whether that be in relation to climate accountability, whether it be social uh, justice, whether it be uh, genuine diversity and inclusion in both our society and in our, in our workplace. And the thing I love about my involvement in One Young World is that the level of ambition among young people is absolutely boundless and their intent to make a difference is incredible. So if we can harness that uh, willingness, that intent, and that commitment, and give more of the tools to affect change to the generation of young people that we are engaging with in One Young World, then we can affect outcomes that will not just impact the next generation, but will actually impact the current uh, generation as well. You look at the environment that we're many of us in, in lockdown, and we see this almost competitive between different generations claiming that the responsibility of or the behaviors of one generation is militating against the outcomes for the other. When in fact, we know all of our futures are based on empowering young people and giving them the tools to make sure that they will build to their own aspiration a better society than the one in which they live today. That's so inspirational. And also something that we know that you have been installing in your work with One Young World and what you do with Verizon Consumer. And we'd love to hear about, you know, wrapping this all together with everything we've talked about, technological revolution, 5G, new generation, One Young World, all of it. How, as a leader, as CEO of Verizon Consumer, do you also um, bring that kind of credo and ethos among your workforce within your company and also um, inspire others who are in a position of influence and other executives to do the same thing. I'm a passionate believer that it's not simply what you do, it's what you make happen. And therefore creating the environment around you where people can be the success they deserve to be is the best way of amplifying positive outcomes. You know, I'm very proud of the fact that uh, Verizon Consumer Group has the most diverse leadership team of any wireless organization in the world. We have a majority of females and we have a majority of people of color. That doesn't happen by accident. And that diversity of thought is what's also driving the conditions, which I think means that we're walking the walk. Uh, one of our uh, great friends at uh, Verizon, a lady called uh, Abby Wambach, who uh, is a former professional uh, soccer player for the United States, um, and who's uh, done a number of things with Verizon Media, said, you know, Diversity is making sure that you recruit from the LGBT and transgender community, but actually inclusion might be making sure everyone has somewhere to go to the bathroom. It's about making sure that you don't just pay lip service to what is seen to be the right thing to do, but you create the conditions where every individual can genuinely be 
the success they deserve to be. Because the truth is, it's a war on talent out there. And if you're not participating in that war on talent by creating an environment in which everybody wants to come and work for you, irrespective of race, color, creed, orientation, or anything else, then you're going to lose. So I see it as enlightened self-interest to create an environment in which the very, very best talent wants to address the very biggest challenges and opportunities that both our society and our economy has to offer. That makes it fun to go to work every day. I, I saw that you've just recently been named as one of three CEOs who, quote, gets gender balance. And for the businesses listening, could you offer some tips on how other companies could get there? They could deliver better business from it. Um, but also, you know, you've managed to achieve that accolade in a sector where people say, oh, well, there just aren't enough women in, in STEM and you can't find women engineers, etc." So what would you say to the people listening if they're thinking exactly those things? The I'd love to, but it's hard. Well, it's interesting because the, the topic of the conversation, we had three uh, CEOs uh, and it was uh, um, an initiative of INSEAD alumni. Uh, and one of the conversations we had is exactly what you described in your question. The response of many, particularly male leaders is, uh, yes, I get it, but, and then they go on to say, there aren't enough, there are whatever. It's simply not true because talent is broadly and equally distributed. It's out there. It's just a question of how far are you willing to go uh, to find it. And there are very simple, practical things that you can do is all of my recruitment for at least 10 years has required those that where I'm the person who's signing off on the role has required gender balance shortlists. Might take you a little while longer to get there. Doesn't mean that you pick any one person off the list, but every time you're presented with the gender balance shortlist, you have the option, you have the opportunity of picking from a diverse talent set. If you don't ask for it, chances are you won't, uh, you won't get it. I also think that this idea, like the Abby Wombach comments earlier, is creating the environment. It's all very well to do that. Oh, I recruited, but then they didn't really work out or whatever. You have to work on creating the environment. And that's where building brilliant teams is so, so important because a great team, you know, for our, um, UK uh, listeners, I'll, I'll use the rugby an analogy. Johnny Wilkinson, fabulous, uh, you know, number 10 out half for England. But you can't have 10 Johnny Wilkinsons on a team. Similarly, from a US uh, analogy, you can't have, you know, 13 quarterbacks. You need people who play in different positions, who play different roles. That's what makes great teams. And that's why I think the team analogy is so important to the diversity, inclusion, and the breadth of inclusion within leadership is because actually, if you're only playing with 10 Johnny Wilkinsons, i.e. white males, then the chances are they may all be great, but you're simply missing out on a whole range of other skills and talents that would make the team and its overall performance uh, even better. So I love my sports analogy. And the truth is big, tall, short, small, whatever it is, bring them all because that's when you get the best opportunity to build an outcome that simply wouldn't have been possible, but for the diversity of the team you built. From a, a CSR point of view, what can business do to close the digital divide and empower young people to be the, well, not as you actually said, not the next generation of the workforce, but the current empowered generation and to empower those around them? So the first thing I would ask any employer is, um, what are your 
entry routes to your company. Uh, when I did research in the UK a few years ago, it was clear that the level of digital skills and literacy among young unemployed people in the UK was higher than the average level of digital literacy and skills among the workforce. Yet most companies, when asked, didn't have a school lever uh, or an early entry uh, recruitment program. So the first thing I would say to people is make sure you're harnessing talent uh, early. The second thing I would say, um, think about the organizational structure. A hierarchical structure militates against getting the best out of your people. Organize around the issue and opportunity at hand, not around the, the organizational structure. That's thinking about human capital um, uh, and social capital. Human capital, the more traditional approach to the hierarchy. Social capital is around organizing around the opportunity at hand. If you do that, then what will happen is natural leaders will come forward for the situation at hand. And that might not be the most senior person or the oldest person. It may well be the person who's closest to that particular situation or opportunity. If you start to do those two things, then you'll start to create an environment in which talent recognizes its opportunity within your organization. And you're more likely to both recruit and hold on to the people who will make your business even more successful. Thank you so much, Ronan. There's been such a fantastic conversation. Thank you so much for your time. But before we go, um, if anyone is watching or listening right now, where can they get more information about what you talked about? And where can they follow you on social media? And we know that you have a following. So hey. let them know. So so please do go to uh, verizon.com and you can see all about our CSR program. But I would say to you, CSR isn't just simply a program. It's who we are. It's what we do. And so it's built right at the heart of the business. The other thing is um, go and look at One Young World, um, OYW.com, and go and find out a little bit more about that. And if you want to follow me either on LinkedIn or on Twitter, it's uh, my uh, handle is VZ, and the same on, uh, on Instagram. And I'd love to um, see and hear from you after uh, uh, the podcast because there's lots of interesting things to talk about. Thank you. I'm sure you will gain a lot of followers from this. So thank you and thank you for joining us. It's been an absolute pleasure. So much thank you for the invitation. Uh, great to see you again. Look forward to seeing hopefully both of you at the next One Young World when we're back together in person. Absolutely. We're looking forward to that and find videos and articles about this series on the Yahoo Finance UK site. And if you've enjoyed this episode, please rate, review and subscribe to hear more. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 